0: Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist broadcast. Where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Well, again, a happy Mother's Day. We're going to continue on with our series, Genuine a Walk Through Colossians. This, this is part five, and with it, we are going to end uh, uh, with the first uh, with the last. A few verses in Colossians chapter 1. If you've been following Paul's train of thought through this first chapter, you will see that he starts with who Jesus is, and then who the church is. And now he's going to talk about who he is and what his ministry is all about. Remember, Paul has never been to the church in Colossae. Uh, he only knows them in a secondhand way through his friend Epaphras, who planted the church. And now as Epaphras is in Rome telling Paul about the church in Colossae. And so Paul knows uh, the church in Colossae second-hand, and uh, Colossae knows Paul secondhand. hand Have you ever had the experience of having met a friend, uh, that you've heard all about from another friend. Um, uh, especially someone who your, your friend talks about in, in glowing terms, you go into a conversation, you feel good about the person. And of course you have the friend in common, so you can talk about that. But there is something about hearing directly from that person that changes your perspective on the person you've just met friend of mine worked for a guy who was constantly being interviewed about politics on, on television. And uh, I was invited over to my friend's place for a party, and that guy was there. And as I expected, he was um, very intelligent, but he was much uh, more ordinary than I expected, actually. He asked great questions, and he was super focused. It was good to meet him in person after all I had heard about him. There's just something different about hearing from someone personally rather, rather than hearing from them secondhand. Well, that's what, what Paul is doing in this letter. The Colossian church had heard about Paul from Epaphras and now they were hearing uh, from Paul himself. Paul says, here's what my ministry is all about. The first part of chapter 2 talks about the goals of Paul's ministry, but today we're going to stick with the end part of chapter 1. Some of you are wondering, well, that's a a nice history, but what does that have to do with me? Um, The answer is a lot, actually. Uh, Paul stands in a pivotal point in church history. He uh, contributed to the foundation which our faith is built on. If you can see what he's saying, you will see where some of where your faith comes from comes through him. It, the truths are about Christ and in Christ. And if you see what Paul's saying, it's a foundation that you can build upon. Paul, like Jesus was a Jew. Here's how he describes himself to the Philippians. Philippians chapter three, verse four. If anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He goes on to say, these credentials, they're really worthless compared to what I found in Jesus. But it does tell us a little bit about who Paul was. He calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He he was the poster boy for what a religious Jewish person was to be. But God did something unthinkable to the Jews at that time. It was beyond the imagination of the church of that time. What God did was welcome Gentiles into his kingdom. Gentiles are non-Jewish people. People like most, uh, most of us. Jesus came not only for the chosen people, but for Gentiles. And, and this was unimaginable during this time. But uh, we see here that Paul not only says that God has come for you, Gentiles, but I have been named, he says in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, as an apostle to the Gentiles. God is actively reaching out to you. So when he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, where we're going to start today, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. When Paul says he's suffering for you, the reason why he is in prison right now is that of is his work among the Gentile people, and that caused a lot of 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 people to be disgruntled around him and when he says he's filling up christ's affliction you might remember when when paul had his conversion experience jesus comes to him after paul had been persecuting the church and says you know paul paul why are you persecuting me paul was persecuting the church but jesus took it personally and now paul's ministering to the gentile people and he's suffering for it and it's, he is, Jesus is, in fact, suffering with him. So Paul goes on to say in verse 25, I have become, it's the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. It says, if you, you look at the old testament there's a mystery that god has his his people have yet to discover he god has had his people on a spiritual journey he's moved them through history history he's spoken to them through the prophets but they couldn't quite see what god was up to uh, how is god going to do what he promised in the garden of eden and and uh bruise the the, the head of the snake How was God going to make right the wrongs in this world that had happened because of sin? People have been trying to figure out that and it was a mystery. But it it had been hidden. It had stumped people for ages and generations. The prophets of God had inklings but they couldn't see the entire picture. Uh, They couldn't quite understand what God was up to. They tried to obey the law. They tried to be religious. They tried to create a culture that would help them follow the rules, but they still didn't understand what God's plan was. It was not reversing the effects that sin had caused. How would God redeem his people? How would God redeem the world? But the mystery of what God had been up to has been and has been planning has now been answered. We can see the answer to the mystery. The followers of Jesus can now see what God has been doing. It has been revealed uh, to non-Jewish people as well, the Gentiles. And here's what the mystery is. Verse 27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is the answer to the mystery. This is how Uh, He was going to reverse the effects of what happened in the garden. But the answer is not just Jesus, but Christ in you. It's not that Jesus did something nebulous, but Christ in you. He came to you personally, people of faith. And that is the hope of glory. It is Jesus in his people that will start to accomplish what God had planned to do so long ago. I was in Ghana teaching uh, theology to pastors about a decade ago and I was talking about this truth and and they started to smile and I, I said well, well what's what's going on well they said well this is often how we we start our service the pastor will stand up and he will shout out Christ in you and the congregation will, will respond the hope of glory and they would do that three times. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That, that is the core of the gospel. Why? Because this is the central truth that if you can ca- hang on to and see what is really going on here, then you will be able to see God's plan not only for your life, but for the world around you. People wondered how God was going to do what he wanted to do. The answer is Christ in you. Christ in you as a person, Christ in you as the church, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In case you think that this is something that just Paul made up, I want to take you back to the night before Jesus died. This is exactly what Jesus uh, said would happen in John chapter 14, verse 19. He says before long, The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will live also on that day. You will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. On that day, you're going to realize who I am on the day that you live on the day when you become spiritually alive, you're going to realize that yeah, I'm in my father and father's in in me, but I, I'm in you Christ in you. The hope of glory. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, he is in you. And if you understand what that means, I mean really get what's going on there. It will change everything. Part of the problem of preaching through a book like Colossians, small chunk by small chunk, is that we can tend to forget what has happened in weeks before. And two weeks ago, we looked at who Christ is. And uh, that was two weeks for us, but it's only two sentences ago in, in Greek. And so with, with the words Christ in you ringing in your ears, let me take you back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For God was pleased to have all 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 his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. That Christ is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All of who Jesus is, is in you, who put your faith in him the one who created all things and holds all things together by his, his powerful word is in you. The one who has supremacy over all is in you. The one who showed compassion to the crowd and healed the leper and raised the dead. Christ, that same Christ, is in you. The one who showed us what God was like The one who has authority over all. Christ is in you. He's living in you. And until you get a hold of that reality, the the Christian life will never make sense to you. The Christian life isn't about trying to be good. It's about letting Christ in you transform you so you are transformed to do good. The Christian life isn't some philosophy to live by. It's about letting Christ who who is in you guide you as you uh, journey through this life. Prayer isn't something that you do to a God who's far away. It is someone who you talk to who is closer than your heart. It's Christ in you. The power of God isn't away at a distance somewhere off. Christ is in you. The one who has authority is living in you. If you allow that reality to settle in your soul, it will change your life or your prayer life. For God is no longer away in the distance. God is very, very present. And as you talk to him, he's very present and willing to hear. If you allow the reality of of that to settle in your soul, it'll cause faith to arise. Because God is already involved in your life. If if you allow this reality to to settle deep within your soul, your connection with God will grow deeper. Your relationship with God will grow stronger. And your heart for God will grow bigger. Because Christ is in you. If you could see how much he loves you, how much he wants for you, if you could see the freedom and the joy and the peace and the love that, that he's longing for you to walk in, into because he's present in you and he wants to give you good gifts. If you could see how amazed he is that, that you're walking with him and he's cheering you on and he's saying, way to go. I want what's best for you. I want you to be able to walk with me so that I'm not hidden someplace inside you, but I've come to the surface so that when we walk together, it's with an intimacy, with a friendship, where there's not a distance, but there is a connection. I'm in you and it's starting to bubble out towards uh, the surface of your life. And so what you say and what you do is, is influenced because I'm there with you. And you're able to pray great prayers of faith because, well, my authority is there in you and with you. You're able to, to walk into the unknown trusting that I'll be faithful and I'll walk with you there. You're able to meet great challenges because it's not only about you, it's, it's, it's about the fact that I am with you. And I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to walk with you and continue to walk with you. I want to see your life transformed so that, so that you can, can see all of who I am. Oh, I wish that everyone could be transformed by the power that's found in Jesus, who comes into us when we invite him to come into our lives. Just as an aside, Linda, my wife, is a counselor and I, as a pastor, often help people in difficult places. And we'll talk to people who are people of faith and, and walking with Jesus. And we'll talk to people who, who don't have faith and are not walking with Jesus. And I want you to know that it's a whole lot easier to be healed when Christ is in you. It's a whole lot easier to get around those difficult places because Christ is in you, because if you're willing to allow him to guide you and you're willing to do what he said, like confess your sin, like, uh, forgive those around you. He will come into those places that have been wounded and hurt and that you're troubled by, and he'll speak words of healing there. And it's amazing what, what can happen because Christ is in you. When you don't know Jesus, when you won't allow Him to to guide your life, then, then the work you need to do on the wounds of the past or, or the blockages you have in the present are so, are, are so much more difficult to deal with. I want you to know that when Christ is in you, all things are possible to those who believe. Paul goes on to talk about his ministry in verse 28. He says... He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul is saying, "I'm, I'm looking to present people mature in Christ. That's what it means when Christ comes to the surface in every part of your life. Paul says he admonishes people. And that means to, uh, to advise and to warn. Yeah, here's, you don't want to go there. That'll hurt. And he says, he teaches people with all wisdom and he tells them how to, how to let, uh, Christ heal their past and come to the forefront in their presence. Part of what it means to be a mature, uh, fully mature in Christ is to live as how Paul was living. He says, Christ is so powerfully working within us, and you can see it in his ministry. Part of the vision for Asbury Free Methodist Church is that we would be a people who are exceptionally well-discipled. Another way of putting that is that we would be fully mature in Christ. To present people mature in Christ. And what that means is that, that we need to be a people who are set free from the things that hold us back. We need to be a people who stay connected with Christ. Our relationship with him is strong, and it's personal, personal and it's close. We need to be a people who allow Christ who is in us to percolate to the surface so that our actions and our words, our thoughts and our deeds are influenced by who Jesus is because he is in us and working so powerfully in us. In the next couple of years in Asbury, I'm hoping that we will launch a series of things that will help people allow Christ who is in you to percolate to the surface we will do some things that will allow you to grow and learn and admonish and teach with all wisdom, so that you can be exceptionally well discipled. But as discipleship is, God gives us a personal choice. And it will be up to you whether you opt in or not. It'll be up to you whether you choose to come along for the journey or not. Oftentimes, we can get stuck in life. And we can say, this is just who we are. But if you get a hold of Christ in you, the hope of glory and what it would mean for Christ in you to come to the surface so that your hands are Christ's hands and your feet are Christ's feet and where your thoughts are, you have the mind of Christ when you get a hold of who Jesus is for you so that your prayer life takes on some authority and some power and you start to see Christ's heart for you and Christ's heart for the world, and you start to be released from the past, and you enter into the present, you, you become exceptionally well-discipled, a follower of Jesus, fully mature. Over the next year, I'm going to invite you into some things. and I, I just want you to open up your heart and say, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere you lead me. I'm willing to do what I need to do to see you, your purposes released in me. Jesus, I believe that you're in me. I want you to come to the surface. I pray that that's your prayer because you're going to have the opportunity to live that out. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and that you're in each person who has confessed you as Lord and believes in your heart that you're raised from the dead. I want to thank you, Lord, that that you are at work. Lord, sometimes we don't see you, and you're so hidden within us. But now, Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to follow your plans, to allow you to burst out to the surface, so that you are powerfully at work in all that we do. I pray your blessing on your people, in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you would like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.